Welcome, everybody, to the Skill Development Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Coach TJ, and today we have Season 4, Episode Number 5. And I have got something which I think is really good. We're going to actually, or I'm going to actually discuss some skill development myths. I have five skill development myths that uh, we typically... Sometimes we, we try to think that, that these are truths, these are things that have to happen, or these are um, you know, different areas of skill development that, that we must that we must do. And it's not entirely true. Um and so we're gonna get into that and we're gonna bust some of these myths and talk about them a little bit in detail. I'm gonna try not to be on here too long today. Um I wanna cut it, you know, I wanna keep this as a good short podcast, straight and to the point. Uh, but before we get started, again, I want to mention to you about my book. My skill development playbook is 10 chapters. It's about 80 pages long. It's straight to the point. Great information on skill development. If you go to my website, tjonesfirm.com, that's the letter T, J-O-N-E-S, firm, F-I-R-M.com, forward slash S-D-P hyphen book. You can read all about it and tell you all the information you need to know. It comes in three different formats. There's a PDF that you can download directly from my website. There's also two versions available on Amazon. There's the Kindle version and the paperback version. The paperback goes for $9.99. The Kindle version goes for $3.95 or $3.99, excuse me. And then the PDF version goes for $3.95. So you have three different options. And also I have Nearly three hours. I looked at, I actually went back and looked at my content. I have been saying there's two hours, but there's actually three hours of additional free video content. Uh, the links to that content is in the book. If you have the Kindle version or the PDF version, you can click on that link. If you have the paperback version, just you know, go to your computer, type it in, type in the website, it'll take you in there. You do have to opt in, and then it'll send you videos for five uh, straight days in the morning and you and you also will receive two bonus videos and again those are almost set uh, seven <laughs> those are almost three hours of free content that you will be able to receive so be sure to check that out all right so let's get right into a skill development miss again i'm gonna try not to keep y'all very long so let's get right to it myth number one you have to black out Okay, now the term blackout was coined years ago by a former L.A. Laker and NBA great Kobe Bryant. He said that he doesn't work out, he blackout. And what ended up happening was a lot of coaches and players saw that, they heard that, and they said, oh, for me to have a really great skill development session or a good training session, I have to work so hard that I blackout. And... That's not true. That is not true. Um, there's a coach that you hear me reference from time to time, and his name is uh, Coach Dave Love. He's a former NBA shooting coach, and he, he does a lot of different uh, clinics, and he does some things online. And he talked about when I interviewed him years ago how he could work with a player and they could leave his his training session or his practice and go right to putting on a, a tux and being at somebody's wedding. So what he was saying was that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to come in and sweat a whole lot 
It doesn't mean that you have to feel like you're going to pass out. You're not trying to throw up. You know, all that's great, but it's it's not a prerequisite. It doesn't mean it's something that has to happen. So when you are training, it has to be purposeful. So if I'm working on shooting off the dribble and my footwork is off, sometimes I'm going to have to slow it down. It's not about just going fast and doing it over and over and over again. Um, just so at the end I can say, man, look how look how wet his shirt is. Look how much he sweated. Um, you know, as soon as we got done, he just hit the floor. He couldn't move. I really worked his butt off today. That's not that's not entirely true. Uh, and there are there are times that you're gonna be that's gonna be good to get those type of those sessions in, but in actuality, it's it's not a requirement. Uh, do you want to push yourself and 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 challenge yourself? Yes. But if you are learning and you are learning something for the first time or you are trying to improve something, you have to understand there are there are times when I work with a player and we come in and we hit it really, really hard. You know, we're, we're going over some things that they already know how to do and we're hitting it hard and I'm pushing them and saying, all right, we got to pick up the pace and they get a good sweat in. But then there are times when I'm working with a player and they're learning something or they're trying to enhance something and we have to slow it down because I got to make sure that they have the correct form, the correct technique, correct footwork. So don't think that every one of your sessions have to feel like you're going to black out or you're going to pass out or it's just so difficult and so hard because you feel like, you know, you have to put in this extreme amount of work. So that is a myth. You have to black out. All right. Skill development myth number two, and this has been said for a long time, and I do not agree with this. Myth number two, practice makes perfect. That ain't true. That ain't nowhere near being true. Um, Practice doesn't make perfect. If you want to practice perfect, if if you think that practice makes perfect, then that means you have to have a perfect practice. And if you're having a perfect practice, then I feel like you're in your comfort zone and you're not really pushing yourself to get better. So what I tell players is practice doesn't make perfect. Practice produces habits. So if I'm used to coming to the gym and working really hard, giving my my best effort, making sure I'm paying attention, um, you know, not worrying about mistakes. I have a great attitude that's going to carry over. Because I am doing something that is producing a habit. I'm doing it repetitive, you know, repeatedly over and over and over again. So practice to me doesn't make perfect. It produces habits. So we all know that as a coach with me, I can work with a player on ball handling or I can work with them on shooting. And they could be learning how to do something different or enhancing the skill and getting better. But when they get in the game and they get in certain situations, they're going to go back to their old habits. You know, habits die hard, right? So we want to change that mindset of practice makes perfect into practice produces habits. And then you can ask yourself, what type of habits are you producing? How are you approaching your skill development session? How are you approaching your team practices? How are you approaching, you know, film sessions with your team? Or, you know, if if your team has a, uh, an app that allows you to view games, do you, are you taking that time serious? Are you taking that time, those five or ten minutes, to really study it and and try to find areas of, of improvement? Or are you just looking at it for highlights? You know, so 
everything that you're doing, you're producing some type of habit. So if you're doing it repetitively, you know, are you producing a good habit or a bad habit? But practice is not, it does not make perfect. Practice does not make perfect. If you're practicing perfectly, I feel like you're not you're not challenging yourself. You're not getting outside your comfort zone. Um, you know, you're 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 staying inside the box and we want to get better. So we got to understand there are going to be mistakes. We're going to make some have some mishaps and, and all those different things. So practice doesn't make perfect. Practice produces habits. So skill development myth number three. And this is a big one. You hear a lot of coaches talking about this one. There is only one way to shoot the ball. There is only one way to shoot the ball. And let me explain this. And what I mean by that is you hear coaches say you should have 10 toes to the rim. Then you hear a coach say, well, you should have a slight turn. Then you have coaches say you should dip the ball. Then you have coaches say you shouldn't dip the ball. Then you have coaches say you should jump straight up and straight down. Then you have coaches say you should jump forward just a little bit. And typically what happens is you have a coach that's either all one way or all another way. And that's like the only way you should do it. And then those same coaches will go and they will look at stats. Oh, look at Steph Curry's feet. His feet are turned. But when he's shooting free throws, his feet are turned. His, his feet are directly towards the basket. But look at Ray Allen. When he catches the ball, he dips it and then comes up to shoot. Well, here's how I feel about that. I feel every player is different. Every player is different. I don't, I don't tell a player one particular way they should do it. Because I feel like every player is different. Every player have different strengths. And when I say strength, I mean physical strength. They have different levels of coordination. Uh, they have different levels of confidence. They have different levels of body control. So when I'm looking at a player, I want to help them build a shot that's relevant to them and to their skills and to their abilities. So I may have a player come in based on their strength and their coordination that when they catch it, I tell them to dip it and then come up and shoot. But then at the same time, I may have a player and I may tell them, okay, I need you to jump forward just a little bit. And it all depends on what they're doing. So if they're shooting and they're falling backwards, then I may tell them to jump forward just a little bit to help control their body. Um, I I typically tell our players if I'm teaching them how to shoot from the ground up to point their toes to the rim. But then at the same time, I tell them, you know, you're not going to get in this position every time. So don't think that you're going to have 10 toes to the rim every single time. So I think as coaches, we all have different theories on shooting. It could be done this way. It could be done that way. You could take this from this player. You can take this from that player. You know, when you look at a player like Ray Allen, look at his shooting form. It's totally different than Reggie Miller. If you look at Reggie Miller, his shooting form is totally different than Larry Bird. Larry Bird's shooting form is totally different than Rip Hamilton, which is different from Steph Curry, which is different from Klay Thompson, which is different from uh, uh, Kobe Bryant, uh, Kevin Durant, Michael Jordan. Scottie Pippen's shooting form was totally different than Le- you know, LeBron James. So everybody, Steve Kerr, all these guys, they shoot the ball differently. But there are two things they typically have in common. 
No matter what they do with the ball when they catch it, no matter how they release it, there's two things they typically have in common. Majority of their shots came on balance. They had good footwork. And the end of their shot ended with a great follow-through. What made their shot different was everything that happened in between there. Their release point, you know, did they jump? Did they dip? All that stuff, did they turn? I think Larry Bird had a turn. You know, so all that other stuff, to me, I think can have an effect on your shot, but it all depends on the player. Larry Bird kind of shot the ball with two hands, head, you know, and had the ball behind his head. Reggie Miller had a funky little release, but they all had great extensions on their follow-through. And when they shot the ball, majority of the time, they had great balance. Now, of course, you know, they shoot and they sway side to side or float from side to side, um, you know, all that different type of stuff. But their mechanics and their fundamentals were so good that they can sometimes overcome those mishaps. Okay. So myth number three, there's only one way to shoot the ball. So real quick, three of the five skill development myths. Number one, you have to black out. Number two, practice makes perfect. Number three, there's only one way to shoot the ball. Number four, every player needs a ball. And when I say every player needs a ball, I mean in the training session. Every player has to have a ball. We got to get everybody a ball. We got to do 20 minutes of ball handling. You know, we got to do stationary. We got to dribble through cones. We got to dribble up and down the court. That's that's good to have, uh, but not everybody needs to have a ball. And here's the reason why I say everybody doesn't need to have doesn't have to actually have a ball. Because so much of the game is played without the ball. So much of the game is played without the ball. There's 10 players on the court. There's one basketball. So it's great to have an emphasis on ball handling. It's great to have an emphasis on one-on-one moves. It's great to have an uh, emphasis on ball toughness and scoring out a triple threat. It's great to have an emphasis on all those things. Players are typically more engaged if they have a basketball in their hand. I understand all that. All that makes sense. Perfect sense. But at the end of the day, majority of the time, you do not have the ball. If you are playing, the person that has the ball the longest most of the time is the player that's advancing the ball up the court. And you're looking at, depending on if they're sprinting, if they're, if they're dribbling slow, it depends on what they're doing. But typically, if that point guard is walking the ball up the floor or, or a light jog up the floor, they may get up the court in four or five, six seconds. After that and the ball is passed, nobody really has the ball any more than two or three seconds if you think about it. So why do we spend so much time on everybody having the ball? We want everybody to be able to score out a triple threat. We want everybody to be able to break their man down one-on-one. And all those things are great. But to have a great training session, you don't necessarily have to have everybody with the basketball. Okay, Um, players have to learn how to play without the ball, how to get open without a screen, how to get open with the screen, how to read screens. You know, teams nowadays switch so much on defense. So can your players do your players understand what to do if the other team is switching, how to combat a switch, a switching team? Um, so those are the things that players need to understand. So you're your most open when you catch the ball. When you catch the ball, you're going to be as open as you're going to be. 
because the defense is, once you catch it, and if you're open, the defense is steadily getting closer to you because they're closing out. So if you hold it, now you're allowing the defense to get to their help spots. You're allowing your defender to guard you. So you're your most open when you catch the ball. Uh, so really players should learn to make quick decisions once they catch it. Do I drive it? Do I pass, make the extra pass? Or do I shoot it? And so not everybody needs a ball. And, and that's what I mean by that, meaning in your training sessions, everybody has to dribble. Everybody has to, you know, spend 10 minutes on stationary ball hand. And then we're going to spend another 10 minutes on dribbling up and down the court. Uh, then we're going to come back. Everybody's going to have the ball standing in line. We're going to work on triple threat. And then we're going to work on driving and 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 finishing at the lane or in the lane and driving and shooting the jump. And all that's great. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I had a session last night in a group, and we spent about the first 15 minutes. Everybody had a basketball. But I think there's a time and a place for that, and it doesn't have to be uh, a constant in every training session. So don't think that every time you have a training session, if you have three, four, or five players, that everybody has to have a ball to be doing something. Sometimes they've got to learn to play without the ball. Okay, they got to learn to play without the ball. All right, skill development myth number five, the last one. There's only one way to get into triple threat position. There's only one way to get into triple threat position. When I was a kid growing up, triple threat position was feet shoulder width apart, uh, basketball uh, uh, in your shot pocket, which is somewhere between your shoulder and your your uh, your hip and uh, good athletic stance, hips, you know, knees bent, hips drop, back straight, chest up. And that's great. That's a traditional old school triple threat position. From that position, I can dribble it, I can pass it, and I can shoot. Nowadays, triple threat position is totally different. The basketball can be in a number of different places. It could be between your legs. It could be above your head. It can be at either shoulder. It could be at either hip. Um, it could be on the outside of your body by your knee. Um, it's a, a number of different places you can put the ball. If, you're, if your left foot is your pivot, you can have your right foot, um, you know, behind you. You can have them out wide. You know, you can, you can have the ball and your body turned um, against your defender. There's a number of different ways you can get in triple threat position because now the game is taught and played totally different. So there are different moves or different foot patterns or foot movements that you can do out of that triple threat position to be able to get your shot off or be able to drive either direction. And everything is dependent to me, when you're teaching it, depending upon the, the player that you're working with, their physical strength, their coordination, their ability to handle the ball, their body control, you know, the coordination, all those different things play a part in what they're allowed or, or not necessarily allowed, but what they're able to do. And so do I teach the traditional triple third position? Yeah, I, I, I show them that and I tell them that, okay, this is the traditional triple third position. Uh, but when you catch the ball, these are things that's important, and then we get into that. But uh, don't think that there's only one way to get in triple threat position. The old school traditional way, when when teams start really, when athletic ability really came into the game, it, the game has always been athletic, don't get me wrong, but you have so many athletic players now 
where the game is really up and down. Uh, guys jumping 10 and a half, 11 feet high, <laughs> dunking the basketball. Guys are long and running. Uh, when they start pressure, really pressuring the basketball, um, you had to really change the triple threat position. So you couldn't stand with the basketball between your hip and your shoulder with someone guarding you real tight because, uh, you know, they'll pressure you and, and, and you won't be able to really do anything out of that position. So you have to understand that there are more than one way to get into a, a triple threat position and still be effective. And that's what's important, still be effective. So that is it. Um, my five skill development myths. Number one, you have to black out. It's not completely true. You can have a really great training session and not really even break a sweat. Number two, practice makes perfect. No, that is not true. Practice produces habits. Practice produces habits. Number three, there's only one way to shoot the ball. I don't totally agree with that. Um, I don't think you should be all one way or all another way. You got to be able to adapt to your, your teaching style, to the player that you have. Uh, number four, every player needs a ball. When you're doing your training session, sometimes you got to learn to play without a ball. And here's a quick example of that. When I'm working with first and second grade girls, I uh, just finished up a skill development league, or even if I'm doing a group, everybody thinks that they don't have a ball, they can't shoot. Coach, I need a ball. I don't have any more basketballs. Oh, and then they go sit back down until it's time to start. No, you know, not everybody needs a ball. If there's three players out there and there's only one basketball, one person shoot, and the other players got to, you know, you got to rebound. You got to fight for the rebound. That, that's Even though you're not actually doing a drill, that's working on something right there. So not everybody needs a ball. Not everybody can just have their own ball to go out there and, and work on skills. Sometimes you got to be able to learn the game without a ball because majority of the time in the game, if you catch the ball, then you're going to pass it quickly. You're going to drive it or you're going to shoot it. And typically you're not going to have the ball more than maybe two seconds. So, for me to catch and look real quick, and I got to make a quick decision. So uh, not everybody needs a ball all the time when you're doing a training session. And then number five, there's only one way to get into the triple threat position. The game is totally different than it was taught 30 years ago when I was 10. So there are more than one way to get in a triple threat. You can get in a good position and still be able to be effective to to pass it, to dribble, or to shoot. Um, so there's more than one way to get in triple threat. So that is it. And let me wrap this up real quick. Let me tell you how you can connect with me. Um, if you are on Twitter or if you are on Instagram, connect with me at MBNBball on Instagram. I do more stories. Um, I really try to engage with, with, uh, uh, people that, that follow me on, on Twitter so don't be afraid to, to tweet me, to at me, to mention me or whatever. I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to respond by 99.99% sure I'm going to respond. Um, if you are on LinkedIn, look me up, TJ Jones. Uh, also on Facebook, I have a Facebook page. I don't know why I, hadn't, I haven't been mentioning this, but uh, NBN Basketball. Look me up, NBN Basketball. I have to admit, I do let people know about some training and things like that. It's, that if you're in in my in my area but i also post links to my podcast and i put some tips on there and stuff like that so just check me out on facebook if you are local if you are in my area if you are in the, the central arkansas area or anywhere in arkansas really 
and you are interested or you want to inquire about some of my training services and classes and one-on-one training or small group training, go to my website, nbnbball.com. That has all my information on my training. If you are in Arkansas or not in Arkansas and you want to consult with me on skill development, if you all want to consult with me on skill development, whether it's a project, whether it's for your team, whether it's for an organization, uh, whether you're wanting to put together a skill development league, this is something I've been doing for the local Boys and Girls Club, whatever it is, has to do with skill development. Um, go to my website, my other website, tjonesfirm.com. That's T-J-O-N-E-S firm, F-I-R-M dot com. Um, you go to my website, you can check it out. It gives you all the information about my speaking engagements, uh, you know, booking me for a skill development or speaking or whatever that you want me to do. Um, go there and check that out. And so that is it. I reached my goal. We're under 30 minutes. So I appreciate it. Um, and until next time, God bless.